Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining me today is one of the members of the Backyard Band. He's also been on countless shows like The Deuce and most famously The Wire, my bro, Anwan, Big G Glover. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, beautiful day, beautiful day, man. I'm feeling blessed. Tuesday, sun is shining and we're above ground. <laughs> Big facts, man. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so um, can you talk about like what life was like for you growing up in the D.C. area? Oh, man, life for me growing up in the uptown Washington, D.C. was kind of tough, man. Um, in a household with four siblings, my mom, single mom, dad in the penitentiary, uncles in the penitentiary, mom just trying to make ends meet. You know what I mean? She had several jobs, but also she had uh, public assistance as well in some parts. Right now, I'm, I'm my mom, only child living, and uh, the rest of my siblings are dead. It was tough, man. You know what I mean? Growing up, was especially what's going on right now, it's like back in the day with the youngest, just, just kind of wild with the shooting and everything going on in my city. But it was mostly happy in my household. You know what I mean? My mom made fish every Friday. She played old Dion Ward records, Earth, Wind & Fire. You know what I mean? The stylistic, she played all the old songs. And um, my older brother, he used to play like the Gap Band and stuff like that. And like Lil Benny, Ray Essence, Chuck Brown. And my sister, she was just a free spirit. You know what I mean? She was always out. She like smoke her weed, go to the park, buy the water down Anacostia Park, you know, things of that nature. So, you know what I mean? Pretty much we had a pretty good life. It was okay, but we was living in the hood. Can you talk about what were some of your favorite moments growing up? And on the other side of the coin, like some of the worst moments that you experienced? Oh, oh man, some of the favorite parts of my life growing up is like, when my mom just used to sit us down and tell us that things that we had to do to get out of here, to get out of the um, hood, if we wanted to live a good life. And like, when just like, when my uncle Butcher picked me up and take me like to different places, different parks and to the airport and stuff like that, I was always wondering like, would I ever be able to fly on an airplane? Things of that nature. And like, my mom would like, she worked at the Army Distaff Hall for Astronaut Collins. She took care of his mom. And uh, we used to meet her at this restaurant called Chris Fields. And they had the best stuffed shrimp to this day. We used to just like sit there and then we'd go down Rock Creek Park and 
like catch crawfish. And it was just the sound of the water hitting off the rocks. Those were the best days like to get out of our neighborhood where it was so much crime and gunshots and things of that nature. And then the most pivotal parts, like like the most hard parts is when I lost my little brother, when my brother was murdered in 2007. He was shot, it was like it was the end of my world because my mom was suffering so much with that, with not having him around. And then my older sister died. My, and then my older brother, he died. And then my stepdad passed and then my father died. So that was like all of them died like in a, like a year or two apart. And I was like real tough on my, on my mom and me because we the only ones left besides the kids. So it was a tough time. That was a super tough time. So like DC, they're famous for having, you know, a lot of street dudes, especially like back in the eighties when crack was just becoming prevalent. Um, were yeah. you familiar with um, Rayful Edwards or any other of those famous street guys? Yeah, yeah. I, we was all, everybody was familiar with Rayful back then. You know what I mean? He was one of the guys that was big. And we were little, though. Like, he used to come up to, like, the celebrity hall, like the black hole in my neighborhood, or Park Morton. And, like, it used to be all the fancy cars and stuff like that out. But we was little. You know what I mean? We used to see him like that. And then, like, Wayne Perry, you know what I mean? We used to see Wayne all the time. Wayne was family. Wayne would come in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? And then like down Southwest when the band, we used to play and then go to all the little events. You would see those guys, but we was kind of like babies. We was like riding out BMX bikes, Red Lines, Marvels and stuff like that. But then with the older guys and that was the ones that they was talking about back then. But like to, to speed to this day, they still talk about those guys, but like Wayne was the one that held up the most, you know, everybody kind of like sideways with Rafer because he was the one that snitched. So how about Alpo from New York? Did you ever deal with him? Nah, uh, Alpo, he, he, yeah, yeah. Alpo used to come in our neighborhood up 14th Street. You know what I mean? Like I said, back then when we was younger, Alpo and them, he used to come around I remember when everybody used to be like, they go Alpo, they go Alpo. He had one of the, uh, he had a 300 ZX. I think a cherry red joint with BBSs. And he used to come around and be like right in the park on 14th Street. He'd ride up and down. And there was a guy, a couple of guys in our neighborhood used to deal with him. Or, you know what I mean? Like that. But, but like I said, we was young then. We was kids. We was like in high school, junior high school, just getting out of, junior high school, going to high school, 10th grade, ninth, 10th grade. You know what I mean? And them guys was older, but, you know, they used to come in the neighborhoods in and out, but it wasn't like he was a part of our neighborhood. He had, he had breezed through here and there in spots, and you will see him, they'd be like, oh, what the hell? they going to Alpo, that was Alpo. You know what I'm saying? Or that was, what's the name? That was such and such. But, yeah, he used to breeze through our junk frequently. So, like, during this time, especially, like, during the crack years, um, like crack, it hurt many communities around the world. Like from your point of view, like how did the crack trade affect you and your community locally? Well, the crack trade kind of messed it, it, it messed it up and it made it good too, if you think about it, because everybody had money. They was able to put money into the community. You know what I'm saying? Like the older guys, like they used to help us buy band equipment with crack money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? My bike come across and like the older guys, they'd give us money to buy Congos, to buy keyboards for 40 streets. When the K 
Cavalier apartment buildings was pumping. They give us money. You know what I mean? Also, we was out there. We had our little rocks and our socks, and we started selling PCP, selling boat. You know what I mean? Like, that was the times. Like, right now, all the stuff that's going on, they shooting and killing. Ain't nobody shooting and killing for nothing. Back then, it was about territory, about the block, about the street. You know what I mean? The youngest now, they just doing anything. But those were the years that the crack epidemic hit hard. You had family members, you had people on it, sisters, crack, crackheads, aunts, crackheads, uncles, crackheads. They hit hard. You know what I'm saying? And you just had to deal with it. But I think them was the golden years. Them was kind of the best times to me. The shopping was booming in Georgetown in my city. Everybody would come in for the parties. You go shopping, get the gold chains, the ropes, the feline sweatsuits, the elite sweatsuits. You know what I'm saying? Boss Brown. You know, it was it was Tom Sport. It was that's what those were the days back then. You know what I mean? Tom, like when they had all the parties with the Madness Connection, yeah, Big and it was coming in town, Biggie was coming in town. It was a highlight. That was the shit back then. Can you take us like behind the scenes? Like what were those parties at Georgetown like back then? It was the best. Like first of all, had all the parties back then. Nobody wasn't getting searched coming in. It was just a good time. Only time it was really people getting killed when you really had something to do. Like somebody really had something, they done something to somebody's family. You ain't have to worry about no random people getting shot, kids getting shot, old ladies getting shot. The parties was good. Everybody was dancing, wasn't nobody on the wall. Everybody was getting freaked out. You know what I mean? It was it was a rough and fresh air. And that's when we was just starting being able to go to the party. Because we had fake IDs. You can go on Mount Pleasant up my way, 18 Columbia Road, top of the McDonald's, get a fake ID. Say you 21, you in the party. We down, we down, down Georgetown, DuPont Circle. Man, this connection got the parties. Everybody fly. They got the, the Mercedes outside, the Porsches. The old shit with the BBSs, the uh, the 300 CXs, everybody was fly. The girls with the big bamboo earrings, the spiral curls, the Nita Baker cut. Shit was crazy back then. It was it was off the chain. It was the best years to be living. While doing research for you, I read that you were unfortunately shot 13 times. If yeah. the details aren't too painful for you, can you um like kind of dive into this incident for us? I've been shot several times. I was shot when I was 12 on my leg. On, on 13th Park Road, you know what I'm saying? I, I got shot. And then from there, I just kept getting shot. I got shot at the black hole one night, going to see Red Essence. I got shot on stage. I got shot in my neighborhood a couple of times. Like, I was just outside. And you know what I mean? Just being a product of your neighborhood, sometimes things hit when you don't want it to hit. You know what I mean? But like, I, I, I wish I could get those times back. Cause I still, I wish my little brother was here because he got shot one time and it's growing and went away. I've been shot 13 times. I've been shot here in my elbow. I still got a 357 shell enlarged. I've been shot with a pump, like four different shell shots on my hand. I got a rod in my leg, I got different bullets. I got bullets still in my leg, on my right and my left leg. I was shot in my testicles. I got one of my balls shot off. You know what I'm saying? I got shot in my elbow. So, you know, them, them, you know, and it, when it rained, it pain, baby. You know what I mean? But I'm here to say it. I ain't 50 cent, but I got a story. <laughs> you know, all the personal tragedies that you've been through, did yeah. that kind of lead you to the go-go movement or was that 
always yeah, a part I of was already, I, Yeah, that was already that was already in my game plan and my blood. I love I fell in love with Gogo as a little kid. Like I was telling you earlier, my big brother, he used to play it all the time. And then right there on 14th and Irving Street every Saturday, the, the bands used to perform right in my neighborhood, right there. And they used to play all day until the sun go down. And it was crazy. I was like, I'm gonna be in a band. And then there was a really popular band in my neighborhood called Northwest Youngs. They used to battle junkyard all the time. And um, you know, I was like, man, I gotta be a part of this. This is what it is. This is my life. I'm curious, all the clubs that you performed in back in the day, are they still around today? Because I know nah. DC, yeah. you know, they've been through their, their whole gentrification. Gentrification, yeah, that regentrification is crazy in my city, man. Only club that's still open, bruh, is the is Dino's, the Metro Club. And that they they changed the name. It's new owners, it's called Power. All the other, all the other venues is gone, except for the 930 Club, which used to be WST. The the the, the black hole, that's they turned that into small smiles. It's a dental office for uh for adolescents. And um, yeah, now all the clubs gone, bro. Everything is gone. It's, it turned into condos. You know, with the clubs being gone, do you think that that um it took away from the like the soul of Gogo? Nah, nothing to never take away the soul of Gogo. Just I don't know if you were something rough with, but they try to mute our city and uh Natalie Hopkins and uh Ronald Moe, they came up with Don't Mute BC. And uh, we had over 89 and 90,000 petitions signed. And uh, we pushed towards that. And we've been moving ever since. So I think it just made it stronger because more clubs pop up all the time. It's just, it's just better than that. You know what I mean? It's like our voice is being heard. The mayor, Meryl Bowser, she made our music official, go-go music, official music of Washington, D.C., thanks to Kenya McDuffie. And um, Trayon White, they pushed the bill. But Kenya McDuffie pushed that bill for our music to be the official music of Washington, D.C. And that was a plus, man. So I think it's getting better. It only get better with time. But they closed a lot of clubs down, but they opened a new one. And like the Kennedy Center now is more go-go friendly. All these different venues instead of just like it's a lot of the clubs use us. When they, when they can't sell liquor, they let the go-go bands come in. Not only just Backyard, but Red Acid, Serious Company, T.O.B., T.C.B., um, Team Familiar, Junkyard, Vibe Band, ABM, um, New Impressions. It's, it's so many bands, man, in the city. That's that's crazy. Reaction, there's it's a lot of bands that's, that's on fire, not only just my band, Backyard. I didn't know the African importance to go-go, like, like yeah. Due to the drums and such. Like, keep talking yeah. about the African influence. The African influence is that beat, bro, that pocket with the Congos and the drum, that beat of the drum. And speaking of Africa, we went to Ghana. We performed on the Cape Coast and the Slave Castles and the tourism spot. And we were there for a whole week. And I was there for a week and a half before. And um, when I tell you, we never performed with the African drummers. And we sink right in like we performed for years together. And the African dancers, that beat just hit with that drum. It was crazy. It, it brought chills through, the, through my body. How we just connected like that on stage. 
was that trip to Africa like kind of eye-opening to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I learned all during the years that it was just the jungle and it was this and they didn't really open my eyes to how beautiful Africa was, how pure the water was, how people's skin, the tone and how they love us, and the sun and the food and the fruit, so fresh and the fish and the shrimp. It's, and just the agriculture and just how much we have to offer right there in our motherland. And I, I, it blew me off my feet, man, just to see how beautiful Africa was. Because you see it on National Geographic, you see it on TV. And just people, our people just walking around with no clothes on, pretending the animals. They don't tell us the culture, how much gold and African we have, and diamonds and things of that nature. And I found out where I'm from. So we, I, we did AfricanAncestry.com. And I found out that I'm from Sierra Leone, the strongest living tribe in Sierra Leone, blood diamonds, where they drop babies into them diamond holes with twi ropes on their ankles. And some of them get suffocated and die from blood suffocation and things of that nature. So I'm learning so much. Also, I'm trying to get my, um, soon I'll get my dual citizenship from Sierra Leone. And December, I'm going back to Ghana. Were you able to visit Sierra Leone? Like Not yet. Uh, we we were we were on our way going one year when uh, the Ebola outbreak hit because we had oh, wow. bought the malaria nets. Yeah, we were going to my tribe actually, and we were donating malaria nets over there because there's a lot of us dying from malaria over there from mosquito bites. So we had bought I think like 15 malaria nets. We actually still have them. So I'm going to Ghana in December, and like next year I'm going to see early on. And uh, we're going to make a bunch of stuff happen and make a lot of family smile when we get over there. Yeah, Ben, you guys work with, like, so many big acts in rap. Like, who are some of your favorite rappers that you work with? Scarface, Brad Jordan, Houston, Texas, Um, Busta Rhymes, Biz Markie just recently passed, Onyx, um, Fifth World Boys, Bun B, Devin the Dude. I'm I'm a real Houston lover of um, hip-hop from that Houston area because they just like, it's nothing. You know what I mean? BG from um, mm-hmm. from um, from New Orleans. Man, who else? Uh, man, um, Fiend from No Limit, Mystical. Man, we perform with the best, man. Mr. Magic, we pretty much perform with all of um, No Limit. Um, Fifth Wall Boys, man. Let me see. Uh, on the um, Mob Deep. Man, the list goes on, man. We perform with the best of them, man. And um, we, we perform that Houston push is like, it's pretty much my favorite because we perform with Scarface all the time. And that's like my big brother. I talk to him all the time on the phone. I talk to Bun B. When I'm going through some tough times, I call Bun and I call Scott, you know what I mean? Just to get some input on how I should attack my situation. Should I sit it out? You know what I mean? So them like mentors and big brothers to me. What's the best Scarface story that you have? The best Scarface story is when, um, I I can't really say, like, because we had so many dope, like, moments. But one super dope when we were performing at Nations in Southwest DC, down by the Nat Stadium. That's another club that's gone now. I came out on stage and I had a pamper on, like George Clinton back in the day. And Scarface said, only you, Gingo. You are crazy, boy. And we went wild on stage. And uh, we had a time where 
me and Scarface was at Jerry Seafood in Atlanta, and a lady came up with Scarface. I think he had ordered some swordfish or something. And a lady came up and was like, can I taste that fish? And Scarface broke some fish off and gave it to her. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> but I had, man, we had so many dope moments, man, together, man. We had King of Diamonds, man. And uh, we were just building and he just let me know things I should do and things I shouldn't do. So we had so many dope moments, man. Like, just like kicking it, man, relaxing, not just on stage, but just building. I remember the first time I seen your band play was after yeah. a wizard was after a wizards game a few years ago. Oh uh, yeah, what you, yeah. Um, what do you think about the wizards past year? You know, I think we can do better with Bradley Bill and um, Russell Westbrook with the add-ins of him coming to the, to our team. It's, um, I think they play enormously great together. I just think that uh, we need like another big man. We need a a power a, a shooting power for. And we need a center that can really play and get in there and knock it down. So we just got we got some work to do, man, and we got some building to do for us getting um getting our our, our people together, our our team together. You know what I mean? But I'm a Wizards fan for life, man. I don't know nothing else. <laughs> That's all I know. If we don't gotta win another game, that still gonna be my team, man. You know? You know, you know, Daniel Gafford, like they got him from from Chicago for basically a bag of chips and right, I know. Yeah, and, I know, and, right. And I think he's basically the future of the franchise at the center position, like between him and um and Thomas Bryant. And Tom, like Tom, yeah, yeah, me too. And uh we just got Wes Unsell Jr. And um I had to do a little research on him. I, he did he did great with the Denver Nuggets with changing that defense around over there. So Hopefully he can bring that because that was a that was a weak point of us of our team, not having that strong defensive defensive front, man. Were any of the OGs in your family a fan a fan of his dad? Because I know his dad was like yeah 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 the bullets yeah the bullets yeah my yeah. uncle yeah my uncle Butch uh, he still got his old one us um, West Unsell jerseys and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like Bernard King. You know, the, the, you know, I, I learned that from back then. I was always a Bullets fan, but I was I was very fond of the Lakers back then with James Worthy, Cooper, Magic. You know what I mean? I, I really liked the, the Lakers too because they was just like that run and gun. But I've always been a Bullets fan. A lot of Wizards fans were frustrated with um, Scotty Brooks. Did you have like the same dislike towards the... Um, yeah, I think coach? he just... I liked it, I'm ready, because, like, I, I don't think we should have got rid of him, but it's good to have Wes coming in there for a breath, breath of fresh air. I think he was just too too relaxed and too chill. I think he should have took on a little bit more, like, cussing their ass out, man, you know what I mean? Because it was like they was just, like, just letting it go, you know what I mean? It wasn't like he was on them too much. He was letting them, like, just chill too much, I think. Were you sad to see John Wall go? Because I know a lot of people yeah, in DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wall did a lot for us. I think we could have worked it out where John would have been able to be still here. He don't look right nowhere else to me. You know what I mean? I wish him well, but that Houston was not a good slot for him, I don't think. How about Bradley Bill? I know you're a Wizards fan, but if there was like a trade that kind of, you know, helped the Wizards, if they traded away Bradley Bill for like, a whole bunch of draft picks, kind of like what 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 OKC did. Would you like approve of that? 
I'm what saying whatever makes the team that. better, but I would, I would, I would, I say build around them because we had him and Wall together. They just ain't had the people to play with them. I think if we get some people to play with them, trade for some people. You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of people out there on that on that block that, that really need to shine. And that East is that's a good that's a good um spot to be at. You know what I mean? That East, because the East is wide open. Just look at it. Who would think who would think the Bucks would be in it? Everybody kept on saying Brooklyn. Everybody kept on saying the Celtics. You know what I mean? The, the Bucks came out of nowhere. And what do you think about Russ? Because he's kind of a polarizing player, to say the least. Like on one hand, He's giving you triple doubles, like video game numbers. But on the other hand, you know, he really don't shoot the ball well. And like, yeah, kind of yeah. doesn't I, lead I, to wins, but. Yeah, it kind of threw me off yeah. that we got him. You know what I mean? But he showed up, you know what I mean? But I know he liked to shoot that ball a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't passing that song bitch too much, but you know, hey, that's what they say. You're going to get your numbers up. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, you know, he shoots the shit out of that jump. <laughs> you, know, you know, Steve Francis and Juan Dixon were like two of the biggest DMV hoop guys from like the past yeah. decade. Like you talk about their impact and what they had on the um DMV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. Steve still has a huge impact on the DMV. That's my brother. You know what I mean? And um that's how I was able to meet Kobe and all those guys. Like I, I used to fly, he used to fly me out to Houston. And um, I used to get out there and, and meet the guys and go to those games at the Toyota Center because Steve had his own um, suite inside the Toyota Center. And we used to meet all the players and go to the games and things of that nature. And it was it was like dope. And like Steve, he just built the um, had a basketball court built over in East Cade in Southeast. And I thought that was crazy um, that he did that. To, to um for the for the kids can be able to shoot in, in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Thought that was I thought that was awesome. And how's your hoop game? It looked like you could yeah, yeah, I got I got 15 I, I, rebounds. Yeah, I'm good, man. I, I ain't one of those really, really good, but I couldn't shoot jumpers that good, but I dunk I dunk your ass in. And I was a I was I was a baby Dennis Rodman. I played defense well. And it wasn't no layup on me, man. <laughs> so how much are you putting up in the NBA All-Star Celebrity game? Like just predict. Oh man, I give I give you a good 10. I give you a good 10. 15 rebounds, 10 points. I noticed in um season 3 of The Wire, a few of the corner boys was rocking that West Unsell throwback. Was yeah. that happenstance for you or was that or was that um you guys just basically paying homage to the area? Yeah, that was that was the writers, you know what I mean? Paying homage and knowing where he's from and his surroundings, you know what I mean? So, you know, once upon a time, they had that Baltimore Bullets, too. You know what I'm saying? So that West Unsell was right there, you know what I mean? And that was in the dialogue, you know what I mean? Say, say, rocking that West Unsell, saying he owed that money. And me and Cuddy was in the car talking like, hey, he's short, but he over there rocking that Unsell. And he got a little fatty out there, so... That was that was a that was a that was a dope ass episode, man. Four hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, I was so obsessed with the wire. Like I memorized the streets, some of the lines, all of that. Right. Yeah. That's what's up. <laughs> fight on yeah. that line. Yeah. But we gotta fight. I got so many um, favorites, man. It's it's hard to say.
Slim to Avon, season three. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that Clay Davis, downtown Clay Davis, looks strange. Murder ain't no thing. But this here, this here is some assassination shit, man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I recite them all the time because people be asking me. So I'm, I got some of that shit embedded in my brain, bro. Every time there's a matinee game on yeah, for the NBA and somebody gets dunked on, always say they violated the Sunday truth. The Sunday's truth, yeah. On a Sunday morning, you try to hit a nigga when he taking his wrinkle-ass grandmas to pray, and you don't hit the nigga neither? All I have is a torn-up church crown of a bona fide color lady. Do you know what a color lady is? Not your mom's for sure. Because if it was that, it wouldn't be that. You disrespect the Avon Boxdale's name here. You know that? Man, that was one of my best joints, bro. Hey, I'm trying to tell you, people be calling me, man, like, hey, can you recite this, dude? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm on that cameo, man, so I be, I be busting them joints up all the time, man. So how did you link up with David Simon? Oh, man, actually, it was uh, um, with uh, George Pelicanus, man, with the writer, with George. Um, I was auditioning, and when I got the role, you know, George's son, Nick, knew me. And then we connected like that. And then I, I find myself one of the kids of his, man, because, like, I, I'm always on a, on, a, on a piece with them. So it's a new, it's a new series that's, that they're working on right now called We Own My City. And I just got a role on that as a kid named Baker. So, you know what I mean? I'm back on HBO again, bruh. Did you audition for anybody else other than Slim, or was it just... Yeah, I, I actually, I, I ran for Marlo Stanfield. I ran for Drac. I ran for a couple of people, man. I ran for Chris, Paolo. I ran for a couple. Mm -hmm. I thought this Slim just, Slim just, man, put it in the zone, man. I can see you as a Chris Paolo type, but Marlo, I, I don't know, I can't see that. Yeah, nah, Marlo, man, he murdered that, man. He, he, he stepped on that role, man. Nobody could do that but Jamie, man. Jamie, he's an intelligent man and powerful actor, man. He's so smart. You know, like, like for the most part, the characters on The Wire, they're like based off of real people. Is Slim based off of anyone or was he? Yeah, yeah, fiction? Slim was a real character. No, Slim was a true character from Baltimore. You know what I mean? I talked to him on the mm -hmm. phone and all of that. He's a real guy. Actually, he just... He, if he's not out yet, he'll be out sometime in November. He got locked back up for, I think, money laundering or something like that. But he's a real street or old street dude, pool hall guy, dope dealer. So he was with the real Avon Boxdale? Yeah, he was with that real Avon crew, man. You know what I mean? Like, those stories are real. You can't get it no realer. I, I'm not just saying because I was on the show, but that was the best show on television, man. Why do you think The Wire resonates so much with people like 20 years later? Because it was a real street story, and David Simon, George Pelicanus need to know what they brought those stories to life, and the, and the way they shot it in Baltimore, and the look of Baltimore right there. They didn't shoot it anywhere else. They didn't shoot it in Canada, Boston, Toronto. Nowhere they mm -hmm. shot it right in the city of Baltimore, and they had the landmarks there, the street corners, the alleys. Everything looks the same. The slang, the vocabulary, everything is super authentic. And we was the largest African-American cast in the series ever. What I like most about Slim, like his character was loyal. Like he, he was wasn't loyal. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. hot-headed like Avon. 
he wasn't, you know, sneaky as Stringer and Prop Joe or cold yeah. blooded like Marlo. He was just about that's, the business. Yeah, that's why I last, man. <laughs> that's why I last to the end because I was loyal to my people and I put that work in. <laughs> Can you talk about Slim Charles' character arc? Because, like, from where you started to where you ended, like, he was the only pawn that made it to the other side of the chessboard. Yep, and definitely. I think it was the way the writers wrote it, and they made me loyal to my people. I was loyal to Prop all the way to the end. You know what I'm saying? And it's just being loyal, and that, that's how it is in the street. If you don't have loyalty, you don't last long. If you have loyalty, you last long in the game. That's real life. Big facts, man. Like, me personally, I want to see another, like, five seasons of The Wire. I know it's, man, I know it's not going to happen. But what would it take for David Simon to do a new season? Or is that chapter done? I think that chapter's done, man. Only thing you probably could see out of that is probably like uh, um, uh, something on Broadway, man. Something like on Broadway. And um, mm -hmm. it could have kept going, though, because at the mm -hmm. end, Marlo Stanfield, he was originally going to get out of jail. As you seen on that episode, he sold a connect to me and a couple of other guys in the co-op. And then we got we got what the um what the guys in the end, the uh what's the Greeks? We got with the Greeks mm -hmm. at the end that had the little meeting. So it could have kept going, but you know, as they say, time's up. You know what I mean? And um, it ended off well, I think. One thing I never understood about that. And maybe just me overthinking and overanalyzing. But um, since you was with Prop Joe, like, how come you needed to, like, buy the connect from Marlo if you, like, basically had it already with Prop Joe? Yeah, so basically, if you live, you know, if you, if you watch when Marlo had his money at the rim shop and how he was kept meeting up with the co-op and how they was doing it, at the end, he really kind of, like, was with the Greeks. So the Greeks was kind of bombed dealing with him and they ain't trust nobody but Prop Joe and Prop Joe died. So they ain't really know if they could trust me. So Marlo had that connect. So I'm just thinking like, you know, we had to buy it. You know what I mean? We had to buy the connect and that's how they put it. So, you know, I think if, if it would have kept going on, it would have been crazy because everything was going, you had Mike coming up. He was robbing everything. He murdered Snoop. So that shit was getting ready to get crazy. You know what I mean? You still had um, Brother Muzon running around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you had people that have been coming around like, hey, who got the money? One thing I like about David Simon is like all his shows are connected, like in the deuce yeah. at the end. You know, Black Frankie, he said he was going to Baltimore to help out his cousin, his cousin Nathan, who yep. was like the, like who was the real Avon Barksdale, Nathan yep. Barksdale. Exactly. Um, so, so Everything ties back I like it. Right. Yeah, all of this stuff connect, man. That's why it's a story they tell every time. That's why I just, I'm, so, I'm just so glad to be one of those kids that can raise my hand in the class and get called on. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm -hmm. like, TV is hard to get on TV, man. But I always find a way to get on, man, from, from these guys. They always, they always pick Anwar, man, no matter what. If it's big or small, they always pick me, and I'm grateful. I don't have no 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 regrets, man. I just when they throw me that pass, I just I just do what I do. You know, you know, um, you know, one of my favorite lines from the deuce also came from you at the end 
when um, I think somebody asked you, where did all the people go? And then you said they walked into the arms of time. Something yeah, like that. they walked, they walked yeah. into the hands of time. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was, yeah, that was James Franco. Man, James Franco. Yeah, he said, you know, I remember when my mom used to tell me, tell me, you know what I mean? So those, 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 like, they put me in those positions, bro, with those words. And people be like, mm -hmm. damn. Be like, yeah. So when I knocked black, I shot black thought. And knocked black thought. They was like, man, you be killing everybody. You kill meth. You kill black thought. I like, yeah, look at it. I kill all the rappers on the shows, but <laughs> There's been a lot of debate about which show is better. But in your opinion, like, which show had more of an impact? The wise Snowfall? Or power. Say the wire. I say everybody sprinkled and got a story, a piece from the wire. But those shows, mm -hmm. like Snowfall and all those shows, those shows are great, man. Power was great. Fifty and them put that together like they had, it was cliffhangers. They had you on the edge. But I still say the wire, not just because I was on the wire, but the wire, man. You got to know, man. That was that, you ain't gonna get it no raw than that, man. We was putting that work mm -hmm. in, bro. Do you think if it wasn't for the wire, like shows that shows yeah, like would. Snowfall and Power yeah. wouldn't exist as we know? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Cause that, that wire opened that gate up, man. Not saying that they had their stories lined up, but I think that gate was open. That portal hole was open because of the wire. Shows like Power, I think it could go on for a long time. Um, do you think it can be like the general hospital of our time? I'm saying I think so. How Fendi putting that thing together with the rise of Kane and those different things he's doing with that, he's brilliant. I think he can mm -hmm. keep going with it, man. Smart guy. I think he can go keep going with it. You know what I mean? I'd like to see myself on one of them shows one day. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. I bring a lot to the table because, you know what I mean, when I get a character, I'm, I turn into that guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's night and day for me being Leon the Deuce to Slim. Mm -hmm to Kevon White on Treme, you know what I mean? So I, 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 turn, I, I turn that game face on on each one. You know, who's the Slim Charles of power? Like, which character would you compare Slim Charles to? Ah, oh, man, Slim Charles. Like, I don't think nobody on the power was loyal like that on there. Everybody was sneaky as shit, I think, man. Everybody was sneaky as hell. What's the kid that was kind of loyal to be on all the commercials? He had the bush. He was what, um, damn, he was kind of loyal. Who, Tariq? Yeah, Tariq. I think it was Tariq. But Tariq was sneaky as shit, though. Not yeah, Tariq. Was, Tariq, is, Tariq is the son, right? Yeah, he's the son. Tariq, he ain't never listened to ghosts. He ain't want to listen to the father on shit, man. He, his little ass ain't loyal. Like, to I me, Tommy... Like to me, yeah, Tommy Tom, Egan was yeah, the most loyal. Yeah, Tommy was the most loyal, but Tommy was sneaky too, though. Tommy sneaky as shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's like the most hated character, you know, from like The Wire or Power in your book? In my book, the most hated character on The Wire was shit, man. Like people, people loved it. Uh, Michael K. Williams, even, even Omar, but Omar was the motherfucker you had to watch your head. He'd rob a goddamn anybody. The most hated motherfucker on there that I think, man, was like probably, uh, shit, it's hard to say. Everybody pretty much loved everybody on the wire, though. 
you know, yes, for me, per- like, you know, for me, I would. Call like, Caddy, like the mayor? Nah, he was like. He was pretty like, he neutral. Was, like, yeah. But for me, I would rather deal with Omar Shotgun than deal with Delonda Bryce, name his mother. Oh yeah, yeah, um, she was good. She oh, was good. Like, hell no. Yeah, yeah, she pushed him out there and made him do all kind of shit, man. Out oh, there, she was, she was pretty too. Man. She was dirty, man. Between her and and Janice Soprano, I can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she turned. <laughs> she crazy for that one. Yeah, no bullshit. And then on power. Like, man, you got to think about it. All the motherfuckers was crazy, man. Yeah, just... <laughs> um, Let me see. I say shit, man. That was really cruddy on that joke, man. The little, the, what's the, what's the light skin that the, the guy that sang? Who, Dre? Yeah, he was cruddy, man. He was yeah. playing both sides of the fence, bro. Yeah, on The Wire, he went last... Two episodes. He'd have been gone the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we go, I want to play Start Bench Cut with you. All right. So okay. we're going to do TV shows first Start Bench right. Cut, Snowfall, The Wire, or Power? The Wire. All right. So you're starting The Wire. So now you got to yep. bench and cut. So now you got to bench and cut. Either snowfall I, or power. I bench uh it's hard. I cut snowfall and bench power. All right. All right, so like the muscle addition, same thing, start bench cut. We got Slim Charles, Tommy Egan, and Weebay. I was actually torn between Weebay and, and Chris Partlow, but yeah, because Weebay was a tough motherfucker, but, but yeah. Chris Paolo will blow your shit off. No, he don't even care. <laughs> I say, you know, I'm going to pick myself, Slim, and I say, bitch, um, I say, cut. You said, you said who? Um, Weebay and who? Weebay and Tommy Egan from Power. I say, Weebay and cut Tommy. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> I thought yeah. you was going to go the other way around with that. Yeah. Cause we bay, that's my guy, man. We bay don't get the, mm-hmm. the, the recognition that he should. That's my guy. We had him on the show a few months back. He's a big Knicks fan. Have you guys ever got into a like a? Like nah, a you know Knicks we used to talk. We, we used to talk shit to each other. And one time, I he picked me up, and I was we was on the back of a pickup ride to New York, and we went to this little venue. We bay is New York all the fucking way, but and he's intelligent as shit. That's my guy. I think that's a good ending note for us. You know, I want to thank you for joining us. You know, I thank you for your oh, time. Man, thank you for having me, man. It's, it's an awesome time. You know, you're you're a big legend in your community, and I'm looking forward to your next move. What's next for you? Oh man, I'm on that um, the um, we own my city new with David Simon and George Pelicanos, and I'm on mm-hmm. that. Um, you watch out for me on that. All right, man. Thank thank you again for your time. Thank you, King.